condition we are in, in the state of ignorance we are in, in the state of war, in the state of economic depression, in the state of depletion of the resources of our planet because of the greed of psychopaths who thought they could create their own reality. Well, look at the reality they created. You're listening to Behind the Headlines on the SOT Radio Network. The world for people who think... Hi, and welcome to Behind the Headlines on the South Radio Network. Uh, my, I'm Joe Quinn, and my co-host this week, as usual, is Neil Radley. Hi, everyone. And in our virtual studio, we also have um, Harrison Keeley. And Hi, everyone. And Alan Martin. Hello, everyone. Oh, so there's not much of a delay then. At least there isn't much of a delay on our end. Good. Anyway, this week, as you may have noticed, we are going to be talking about Surprise, surprise, Donald Trump and American politics. Uh, it's a topic that uh, we, for some bizarre reason, keep, keep, re- keep revisiting back. over and over again. Maybe it's because America is so exceptional. We don't know. Or we're not sure. <laughs> but that's why we're going to talk about it. Specifically, as you may have seen from the title as well, uh, the discussion, well, particularly of late in the past week or uh, <clears throat> week or two, maybe, but uh, in general, since um, since the uh, since the, he was campaigning, yes, yeah, well, since the inauguration, really, let's say, uh, in terms of what we're talking about, since he actually became president of of the U.S., uh, the whole divisiveness and the attacks on him from the media, <clears throat> and also, as I was mentioning more recently, the references to the deep state. This is something that uh, for people who are uh, familiar with, uh, let's say, uh, alternative uh, political, um, or let's say conspiratorial, uh, p- p- political conspiracy literature, let's say, the term deep state or shadow government or are there any other terms, I don't know, similar terms to those uh, have been around for quite a long time, but it's interesting now that, this is what makes it quite interesting, the fact that these, sta- these terms are being used officially in the media and even by, uh, you know, politicians, uh, of, of, of veteran politicians still, to one extent or another, in power referring to things like the deep state and the shadow government. Now, <laughs> I mean, people know the term shadow government, but uh, shadow government has been around for, like I said, a long time. And it's, it's basically a conspiracy theory. It's a conspiracy not uh, phrase. Yeah, but now everyone knows it, so... But it was always so. Do we get to say we told you so, or no? You know, no, we don't get to say <laughs> we that. We don't even get that. Um, they just blithely, you know, nonchalantly just bring it into the the dominant discourse, you know, common parlance, and and uh, forgetting the fact that you know the people who are now talking about it in official terms uh, were you know dismissing out of hand anybody who referred to it up and up until now, almost or certainly. Until very recent times, uh, you were a crazy conspiracy theorist if you mentioned the word deep state or shadow government. Uh, But apparently it's there, and we have no reason to believe that it hasn't been there for a very long time. So the question uh, today that we're going to discuss is, um, what is this deep state? Um, What do politicians and media pundits mean when they refer to it? And what is going on between Trump and this so-called deep state. 
And what are the implications that it has for the future of humanity? Discuss. Good questions. Um, uh, yeah, well... Well, does the, go ahead. does the deep state or secret government or, or shadow government exist for those who, who don't know that it exists? Yes. And, you know, you could say that it still exists, yes. The, the, the tree does make noise if it falls in the forest, even if you're, you're not there to hear it. Oh, the tree does make um, noise. The tree does make noise if, uh, if it falls in the forest right beside you, even if you're either deaf or uh, otherwise incapacitated, and if it falls on top of you, it's still going to squash you, even if you don't believe it's there. So one of the most recent issues, obviously, was the with this deep state business was the removal of uh, General Flynn. Mm-hmm. He was in like Flynn, and then he was putted back out unceremoniously because, and this was Donald. Trump's national security advisor. National security advisor. Um, <clears throat> much has been made of his. He didn't exactly did resign. I don't know if he resigned. He was asked to resign. It was suggested he resigned. He suggested he resigned. He was told to get out. Whatever. It doesn't matter. He left. And the reason he left was supposedly because of his. Um, he had contacts with Russian, a Russian ambassador. Um, or other Russian officials. Uh, this is prior to the uh, inauguration. He just had a quick chat with some Russians, basically, supposedly, and um, and he talked about sanctions. Sanctions were mentioned, and this apparently was enough to get him fired. Um, now people are saying a lot of kind of this seems to be like a or has been reported as a victory for the progressive leftists, anti-Trumpists, because you know this. Uh, right-wing crazy person, General Flynn, um, you know, he said a lot of pretty strong things uh, about Muslims and radical Muslim terrorism and what we need to do about it and stuff. So these people see this as one down, a lot to go, you know. That's one right-wing uh, fascist nut job in the Trump administration gone. We need to get uh, um, rid of the rest of them. And, of course, it's, you know, it's the liberal media, supposedly, that was... Was was is was responsible or gets the credit for for taking this guy down because they reported and stuff. But of course, that's not really the case. Why this information about Flynn's contact with um, with the Russians was leaked from somewhere, and there have been a bunch of other leaks, sensitive leaks about stuff going on within the White House that have somehow made it to the media, and the majority of the media, being the the, the kind of liberal media, have just you know crowed it from one high over and over again, <clears throat> and in this way they hope to. <clears throat> put pressure on the Trump administration and and maybe get rid of certain people that it, that they don't like uh, that are too right-wing or too fascist or whatever they want to call it. But of course, it's not the media. The media are simply being used as they always are, uh, as they always have been, as a vehicle to uh, spread propaganda, spread information, spread certain types of information to the media to put pressure on certain public officials. Uh, but where the media gets its information from is the most important part, obviously, and uh, in this case, it's leaks people from inside, not necessarily inside the government, not inside Trump's administration, but people within Washington, people with access to information, people within the intelligence communities, it's centered on the intelligence community, yeah, in, bracket, in quotes, 
Of course. Um, yeah, but which is NSA, CIA, right, and all the um, umpteen myriad uh, U.S. government agencies mm-hmm. um, involved in information collection, spying, and of course there are lots of crossovers then with uh, private corporations because these organizations, in a sense, at this point, although they are large bureaucratic entities, outsource much of their work, and not just lower-level menial bureaucratic stuff, but high-level stuff to corporations like, of course, Ed Snowden. We know infamously worked for Booz Allen Hamilton. And uh, there are others, of course, in the... I suppose the shorthand for deep state is what the previous term where that was used um, by two-term president of the United States in the 1950s, Eisenhower. Mm-hmm. He said, beware the military-industrial complex. That is the deep state. Right. This, this complex of interest in and around Washington and defense contractors and military, as in Pentagon officials, so they can be generals in suits mm-hmm. and or spy operatives or spy chiefs. So, yeah, uh, it's pretty clear to someone. Well, what's interesting about this specific thing that um, got, gets Flynn fired for talking to the wrong person. Well, first of all, he's talking to the Russian ambassador to the United States. That's hardly a big deal. That's who you should be talking to. He's not talking to FSB operative somewhere in Tajikistan. He's talking to the U.S the Russian ambassador, to the United States in Washington. The second thing that nobody seemed to notice at all is the fact that what was recorded and leaked was a phone conversation between them. So the U.S. government, the NSA probably, is listening in on phone calls from the Russian embassy. Hacking, 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 anyone, and then leaking, leaking, leaking. So the U.S. government was doing exactly what it accuses the Russians of doing. And they used exactly what they accused the Russians of doing to get a guy fired accusing him of being somehow in part of the conspiracy of what the Russians are doing, but actually it's what the Americans are doing, and they use the very thing that they're accusing Flynn of being associated with to get rid of him. So it's richly ironic all the way around. Hypocrisy is the way of life for these people. Um, why Flynn? What's the beef with Flynn? He, this guy's career U.S. military, career intelligence. He's been in intelligence since the 80s. He's been definitely on their team all his career. Uh, Now, ostensibly, he resigned. He was fired. And he resigned because, according to his former number two at the DIA, he was abusive with staff, didn't listen, had bad management skills, etc., etc. Of course, that's not the whole story. Later, it emerged that they didn't like him because he worked against policy. In fact, uh, the New York Times had an op-ed at the time castigating Flynn in such a way that uh, apparently the, the, the NYT leaked the story that Flynn's subordinates in the DIA would refer to his repeated dubious assertions as Flynn facts, insinuating that he's insane, that he's not actually in touch with reality and so on. So was he? Well, let's have a look. Um, in his final interview as DIA director, He said, Flynn shared that he thought the United States today was less safe from the threat of Islamic terrorism than it was prior to the 9-11 attacks, 
well, no duh, I mean, that is clearly a fact. He said that he was pressed into retirement for questioning the Obama administration, quote, got enormous pushback from the Obama administration, who he felt did not want to hear the truth. Hmm. Are they Flynn facts or are they Obama facts? Let's see. According to former DIA official Patrick Lang, quote, Flynn incurred the wrath of the White House by insisting on telling the truth about Syria. They shoved him out because he wouldn't shut up. In an interview with Al Jazeera after he was fired, Flynn criticized the, the Obama administration for its delay in supporting the opposition in Syria. Well, there isn't much of an opposition, but anyway, the, the moderates, the actual reasonably okay people in Syria, thereby allowing for the growth of al-Nusra and al-Qaeda and ISIS and other extremist forces. So right there you can see there's a serious grievance with the party line in the deep state, which of course has nurtured and used these extremists for purposes of overthrowing people like Assad for the last, oh geez, decades really, but especially since 9-11. So you see right there, he's, um, he's a problem. <clears throat> Absolutely, yeah. I mean, my my take on him was was pretty close to that. That he um, Flynn, if you look at his other statements, he was he was makes a lot of reference to uh, being at war with radical Islam and needing to defeat <clears throat> radical Islam and stuff. And of course, this pushes the buttons of the uh, left wing social justice warrior types. You know, he's this right wing anti Muslim uh, uh, kind of person. You know, and what what shocks them most is that. Um, is that someone? These people, obviously, these social, these lefties and the Clinton supporters, etc., et are <clears throat> obviously completely deluded because apparently they they were oblivious to the fact that, uh, or to the to the effects of the Obama slash Clinton uh, administrations on Muslim people all around, all around the world. For for these kind of lefties who still support Clinton and are hating on Trump, apparently you can bomb and kill and maim any number of minorities or oppressed people anywhere around the world, as long as you say that it's all for their own good, as long as you do it with a smile and talk about humanitarian intervention and make it all sound very nice, well, then it doesn't matter that you kill them all as long as you've made it sound nice and, and, and couched it in, in pretty words. When someone comes along and simply says, uh, states facts, for example, about radical Islam, and it's not even, not even that Flynn here, in this case of the Trump administration, is talking about bombing, uh, you know, Muslim countries or invading Muslim countries. They're actually just talking about uh, radical Islam, ISIS, Al-Qaeda, that kind of thing. And it's that fact that, uh, that scared uh, the deep state, effectively, that someone like Flynn and other people in the Trump administration would actually be serious about actually be serious or mean it when they say we need to destroy radical Islam because the CIA guys who have been spent a lot of time and effort to actually fund radical Islam and train jihadi fighters and give them weapons and you know put a lot of money and effort into it they see well this guy's actually serious about it he's not just talking up the the threat of radical Islam and then using it to justify bombing uh, legitimate Middle Eastern governments, which is what the Obama administration did and the Bush administration before them. This guy's actually talking, he actually means what he says, he's actually being honest, you know, he's talking turkey, he's being too straight up, he, he doesn't, he hasn't learned that, you know, you're meant to kind of use the radical Islam thing, threat to, for example, 
destroy the Assad government or invade Syria uh, or to bomb Libya and get rid of uh, the government there. So they're very. I think they got the got the got the read on him. Basically, that that's what he was doing. And if you add in the fact that he has been apparently with this these leaked inf- these leaked uh, communications about with him and the the Russian ambassador. And talking about sanctions, that's a real red flag because they put those two things together and say this guy is actually semi-friendly towards Russia and is talking about seriously about destroying radical Islam. You put those two things together, you basically have a front of America and Russia who would, to an American government and a Russian government that would actually sincerely combine their forces to wipe out the CIA's jihadis that they use to effect regime change. And that's like... This guy has to go, you know. Um, so in the way that they out him, they, they exposed themselves effectively by leaking this information to the media. They exposed uh, two things. One was that they didn't like Flynn because of that attitude of his of, of basically really dealing with ISIS and, and Islamic terrorism. Uh, or sorry, you know, radical Muslim terrorism, let's say. Really dealing with that and also his... Uh, kind of closing up to one extent or another with Russia, the fact that they used, that they leaked the information that, that his contacts with the Russian ambassador points to what was kind of, what was really pissing them off and why they wanted him to go. The fact that they got rid of him by using the, he was talking to Russia, he's, and, and the implication being Russia's still evil, right? I mean, why would, like, like you just said, what's wrong with, what's wrong with a, an incoming national security advisor talking to the Russian ambassador. What's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with that. Technically, he'd be ex- expected to. Right, except if your policy is Russia is evil and nobody should even look at Russia, never mind talk to them. So you somehow get the media, the CIA, the deep state basically pass the information, uses the media to not only get rid of Flynn, but in the process demonize Russia or remind people, remember, Russia's evil. You shouldn't talk to them. We shouldn't even like freaking, you know, buy one of those Matryoshka dolls for fear of getting infected with something Russian. So, yeah, that seems to be the case in this case anyway. Um, yeah, go ahead. I wonder, though, because that would suggest that it's a strong foreign policy disagreement that is at the root of why they hate Flynn. It's not just Flynn, obviously. He just won. Right. Steve Bannon has expressed... A worldview along the same lines as as, as Flynn. Um, the thing is, though, there, it's not like there are no good good guys and bad guys in this. Really, I mean, Flynn sounds eminently more rational when he says, "Hello, we've got a serious wildfire of a problem in the Middle East, and it's coming back to bite us at home. Why don't we put it out?" Good on him, you know good cause and stuff. Mm-hmm. The thing is though, he is a, the guy is a career, he's a US military man and he, he still sees the world as a battlefield. Yeah. And he made that clear in a book he published last year actually. Um, with Michael Ledeen? With Michael Ledeen, the notorious neocon. Um, mm-hmm. What was the book called? I've got the name of it here. Anyway, it, it's basically outlining how, yeah, we need to quash radical Islam and all those tyrant nations. And he lists off North Korea, Cuba, Venezuela, Iran. Mm-hmm. He even gets a dig mm-hmm. in of Putin in it. Of course he does. Because 
probably because you have to. Mm. Um, so it's 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 foreign policy difference, but it, it's it's really only a light disagreement over foreign policy. I think. What well, what I'm getting at here is, I wonder if it's really about this is actually about something else. This is about something far closer to home. Well, the thing is, Trump. Trump broke tradition. Let me first say that Flynn was first considered as running mate, as VP. Mm-hmm. And, and that's when he first got his bad press last, early last July. When someone leaked that, Flynn, uh, that Trump was thinking about Flynn being the vice president or running mate. And, uh, oh, Jesus, they got the first, you know, bad press about Flynn and how dangerous he was. He can't be him. It can't be him. Um, and what's happened since then? Well, he's got Mattis in at defense, an actual general breaking with tradition, or at least it's been many decades since the general around the military. Number two, you've got uh, Kelly at Department of Homeland Security. That's internal security in the U.S. And then three, of course, Flynn was National Security Advisor. And who did who did Trump want to replace Flynn? Mattis's former number two, a vice admiral, former Navy SEAL Robert Howard, uh, he's he's turned it down after two days of deliberation. He's probably scared by something someone told him. But here's 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 my conspiracy theory. Trump wants to surround himself with generals for the big showdown. No. The the whole idea a that coup, a counter coup, a civil war coming oh, to the US in America. Maybe, I don't know. Well, I'm not. I'm not I'm he not, needs I'm, the military and the guns on the side. But right? I think no. But yeah. But the thing is, what it says to me is that. Getting back to the title of our show, it's a deep state that has been running things. Basically, this these backroom boys in, in intelligence and stuff who have been the shadow government who have been running things, and the White House has basically more or less prostrated its, in, itself in front of them for most most administrations up until now, and let them run the show because they ha- they do everything in secret, everything covertly. They have the power to upend White House and State Department po- policy, as we saw last September in Syria when Kerry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Lavrov were striking a deal, and the Pentagon com- comes in and bombs those uh, bombs a hundred Syri- uh, Syrian soldiers in uh, Deir ez-Zor uh, and and ruins the agreement. So obviously, there's this power behind the throne that can do whatever it wants and can upend policy. Trump comes in, realizes that's the situation, and says, "Okay, well, I can't trust these people because I don't have any power. I can't do what I want to do. I can't take any independent. I don't have my vision, whatever it is." cannot be implemented because these other people who have been running the show for so long have their own vision, and I can do nothing about that. So who do I have that is not them? And he goes around and he sees, I've got this general, that general, these people that I can actually talk to, military men, who have a more of a more sane, rational approach to, and to a certain extent, a more responsible approach to military adventures by, by the American military around the world. Because those guys, they come up through the military ranks, they were soldiers themselves, they know what it's like, like they know a lot more about military expenditure than in these suits. And these guys are more rational, so they were actually surrounding himself with them that he would be able to implement a far more rational uh, foreign policy uh, than these guys who just suck up taxpayers' money in in the back room and throw it at covert operations around the world using effectively paramilitary forces. And as we've seen over the past number of years, not just domestic paramilitary forces like CIA paramilitary forces, but uh, foreign jihadis basically do their work. And it seems to me that... uh, uh, a, a military man in the U.S. would be less inclined to do that or more inclined, as you just uh, mentioned, Neil, that Flynn was pointing out uh, the reports that the, the thing, the problem with Flynn was that he was saying 
doing what we're doing in Syria is a disaster. We should stop it. But who was doing it? Well, the CIA was doing it and was totally happy to do it because they've done it for decades, arming paramilitary groups around the world. So this idea that you get from the left and from the leftist media that Trump's you know, filling himself with all these ra- these crazy warmongering types, you know, like Flynn and Mattis, Mad Dog Mattis, who are going to go and bomb the world and start a war with Russia. Have we forgotten the fact that that was all happening and co- they couldn't have done any more under Obama, the lefty, the lefty uh, uh, president, right? He was the one who was invading countries and using covert operations to destabilize countries without actually invading them. These guys can't do anything more. They're they're far more grounded in real real politic, in the sense of uh, if if you assume that Trump is a kind of a more of a conservative, a traditional conservative conservative, which means a more isolationist approach, a more protective of American interests than the kind of unhinged radical expansionism around the world by covert means that we saw under Obama. Right, isolationist. It would be nice to think that that's what Trump wants and that he would surround himself with people who think such. Here's the thing. Flynn, in that book with Ladine, I want to read a little excerpt from an op-ed he wrote pitching the book when it was published last July, okay? Mm -hmm. I'll first describe the problem as he sees it, and then Flynn's solution to the problem. The book, by the way, is The Field of Fight, How We Can Win the Global War Against Radical Islam and Its Allies. Flynn goes on. We're in a global war facing an enemy alliance that runs from North Korea to Cuba to Venezuela. Along the way, this alliance picks up radical Muslim countries and organizations such as Iran, Al-Qaeda, the Taliban, and Islamic State. That's a formidable coalition, and nobody should be shocked to discover that we are losing the war. If our leaders were interested in winning, they would have to design a strategy to destroy this global enemy. But they don't see the global war. Instead, they timidly nibble around the edges of the battlefield from Africa to the Middle East and act as if each fight, whether in Syria, Iraq, Nigeria, Libya or Afghanistan, can be peacefully resolved by diplomatic effort, i.e. Flynn's arguing from the right, saying that Obama, under Obama, we've been all, excuse the term, faggoty and half-assed about it. We're not doing enough and we should be far more at it. Right, they should, well, they should be. That's what I said. But, but, you, but, you, but you, were, you were saying that couldn't, they couldn't do any more under Obama. They've been totally expansionist and totally... Yeah. Flynn's saying we've not been expansionist enough. No, he's not saying we're not being expansionist. What he's explicitly, say, explicitly saying there is that we need to actually defeat radical Islam. I.e. not do what Obama did, which was support radical Islam, support jihadis, let them run through countries and destroy countries that serves no agenda whatsoever. And, you know, while claiming that they are actually fighting them, we know this from the past two, three years in Syria, the U.S. under Obama was going around Syria pretending to bomb. The Pentagon was going around pretending to bomb Mm -hmm. uh, ISIS and doing nothing. In fact, what they were doing was supporting ISIS. Okay, okay. So right. just you have to remember the narrative under Obama and what was actually happening. Right. And if he comes out, and that's what I said previously, was that the reason the deep state doesn't like him and wanted to get rid of him was because they took him seriously. They understood that when he said, we have to defeat radical Islam and we were not too, uh, we're, we're kind of well inclined towards Russia. And if he's serious about those two things, 
what's going to happen is that America and the American military and the Russian military are going to actually, I mean, not just physically properly attack radical Islam as it has been created, but even stop funding it, stop creating it from the American side. Right. Okay. Well, one supporting kind of uh, both of your positions that you've taken. First, um, Neil had mentioned, I, th or I think it was Neil, um, the that uh, Flynn had talked to Hirsch, Seymour Hirsch, and Hirsch wrote an article, I think it was January 2016, um, and it was, you know, one of his kind of exposés on what's what's really going on with his, uh, you know, from his secret sources. And it hasn't been talked a lot about, and I'm very surprised that it, actually, that it actually hasn't been brought up recently with Flynn's resignation, because Hirsch said that when all this was going down in, like, 2013, 2014, that Flynn was so fed up with the Obama um, doctrine that he and um, I can't remember, and the Joint Chiefs of Staff actually started sharing intelligence with the Russians, and not only the Russians, also with I believe the Israelis and one other country, um, with the aim of having them send that in, in, well, them using that intelligence and also sending it to Assad in Syria about what was really going on and to. to to actually help Assad way back then to to counter what was going on, because of course Flynn Flynn was seeing all this stuff, and he's the guy, you know, he was head of the DIA when that um, that memo came out that was released by Judicial Watch, where he he said that the that the all the parties in the in the Syrian war, like all the all the rebels were essentially Salafist jihadis, and all of the Gulf states and our allies and we ourselves basically want to set up a Salafist principality in in uh, Syria. And that was before, that was in 2012, before mm -hmm. ISIS came around. So basically, that's he's the guy that, you know, his when he was running the, the DIA, they basically predicted the rise of ISIS. Right. And, and he was, so back, he, 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 was a, he was asked about that on, on an interview with some news yeah. program. And... Uh, the guy said to him, well, what did you do? What did, you, did you see that report? And he said, yeah, I saw it. I said, well, what did you do about it? He said, well, I argued against it. So there's that to consider also. And just like I said, I'm surprised that no one has brought up Hirsch's report, maybe because it gets into too much detail about what was really going on, and they don't want to, to expose that that was the extent of, of you know what Obama was actually doing. But then on the, on the other hand, like Neil was quoted from the book, and... Like Flynn says in the book, I don't have it, but I, I looked it up on Amazon and looked through the, you know, just kind of breezed through a, f a few little bits. And especially the parts where he talks about this, the nature of this global war and the United States is up against, you know, all these forces from North Korea, Russia, Iran, Cuba, Venezuela, and he kind of ties them all together. So, um, so there's this. So what what, what does Flynn? What's F Flynn really afraid of? You know, from from Cuba and Venezuela and uh, you know and Iran. Um, and then I read an interview with him where he kind of clarified that because they asked him, "Well, what's the, what are you what are you talking about? Like Russia and Iran are fighting jihadis, and and uh, you know how come you're saying they're all in this alliance?" And he said, "Oh, well, that was just he, he essentially said it was just uh, almost like a gimmick for the book because he couldn't really get into it. He just wanted right. to say that." These are all threats, all threats to America. They may not be like um, connected in the way that you'd think, but they're but they're all they're all against us. Therefore, they're all part of this global threat against America. Right. And and you know what you know what else that we need to consider was that when he wrote that book, when he said that, that was uh, under when Obama was still the president and Clinton was a surefire shoe in. 
Yeah. You know, Flynn, like like the rest of them, were all angling or thinking about positions in a new Clinton administration. You know, so it's not we're not talking about you know people who have, who stand on 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 integrity and virtue to 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 you know to to a massive extent, if you know what I mean, to to, to the last. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're practical in, in that sense as well. But <clears throat> just on the on the Flynn approach, it seems to me that Trump surrounding himself with these general types and stuff. They that the fact that he does that is evidence that he wants to take a more pr- pragmatic and less duplicitous kind of jihadi funding approach to American foreign policy. Because can you imagine what it's like for the average American soldier who's brought up on apple pie, mom and apple pie and American values and stuff and, you know, about the history of, you know, the, the let's say, you know, fabled history of American uh, defeating, like 9-11 and defeating Al-Qaeda and all that kind of stuff and, and a war against Islam. They're to- they believe the narrative that we're against we're fighting a war on terror against radical nihilistic Muslim terrorists. And those guys then have to go into countries and watch as the CIA comes and says, yeah, you see that bunch of bearded nut jobs over there? Don't you touch them. The ones with the guns and the rocket launchers, the ones killing women and children, leave them alone. Can you imagine the response of the average soldier to that? You can bet your mm-hmm. ass that for a long time now, a lot of them have been pissed off, and not ju- and that that sentiment goes up to the top as well because it doesn't matter. Mad Dog Mattis was a was a grunt at one point, and still. So that's mm-hmm. when you pick military generals, you're picking the people who are most closely associated with a genuine kind of America first, American values, and taking things at face value basically, and uh, not and and have a sense of uh, their values would include not uh, automatically or just nonchalantly sending weapons to radical Muslim terrorists. They're not that Mm -hmm. duplicitous and not that they can't just let go of their values to the same extent that a bunch of suits in the CIA can, who are just these Machiavellian kind of backroom backroom diplomatic types who, who it's... They're just messing with global society as a whole. As a whole, these are the kind of like the the, the engineers of, of of global society, and they have this ridiculous monstrosity of a kind of a, a globalist pipe dream type thing, you know. And these people will do whatever. They have no allegiance to anyone. Uh, those those suited people in the CIA at the top levels and even behind them, whatever you want to call the deep state, uh, the ones in military uniform would have far more of those kind of genuine uh, val- you know, American values and morals, if you want to call it that, uh, than they would. So that, for me, that's why, uh, first of all, Trump has been picking these people because, and he doesn't have a lot of people to choose from because he's, he's coming into a, an American system that is decades, that has been decades in the making and has been, during that process, almost completely controlled by these suited types who have this vision of you know, remaking the world in our image and doing whatever is necessary to do it, you know, and a long history of all sorts of covert operations, you know. So Trump comes in and who's he got left? Who, when he looks around and says, who's loyal to me as president? Everybody laughs at him. You're new here, aren't you? Yeah, you're from business. You're not in politics. You don't know how it works in here. This is Washington. And there are people who control Washington and we don't really know them, but we know that they control it because word is passed down. You know, it's smoking man out of the X Files type situation. You gotta remember that you don't. You know, you're the you're the puppet. You know, 
so get with the program. And uh, and Trump's like, well, screw that. Uh, okay, so I, I can't hire you or you or all those people who, are, who, who believe that. So who have I got? Let me, let me pull this old, dusty, kind of moldy general out of the closet because he, he apparently was sidelined a long time ago because of his views. Do you want to be, <laughs> do you want to be my national security advisor? You know, God damn it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> U.S. Marine Corps. Semper Fi. Let's do it. That kind of thing. You know, it's like freaking full metal jacket kind of situation. That's how he's got, he's got that, you know, uh, <laughs> drill sergeant out of his full metal, full metal jacket. That, uh, that's, that's one of his options, you know. Everybody else is completely compromised because it's been going on for so long. <laughs> what are you looking at, maggot? <laughs> Funny push-ups. Put- <laughs> Drop and give me 20. Uh, another interesting well, button. You know, that, that's, that's oh. interesting because uh, in, in, in comparison to that, you know, we've been reading some pretty interesting tweets lately just uh, shortly after Flynn handed in his resignation. Uh, you, you get this uh, former NSA analyst uh, coming out in a tweet stating that, um, you know, this is war against Trump. And, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. Uh, basically, you know, they won't be happy until Trump dies in jail. Uh, and, um, you know, he, this guy was kind of speaking for the whole deep state uh, infrastructure uh, and, and how they feel about Trump, who is basically threatening to take away their livelihood. Uh, he, he really is intending to drain the swamp. And uh, one of the ways that... Um, uh, th- this is coming out is in his efforts to uh, to get into the pedophilia rings. It seems. Um, I don't know if that's something we want to go into right now, but uh, it does seem to be a very important component uh, to this whole drama that we're seeing. Um, a couple of months ago, Mike Flynn Jr.'s um, had had tweeted something about PizzaGate. And he was part of the Trump transition team at the time and uh, and was let go uh, for for getting into that. I guess it was because they didn't want to draw too much attention to the fact that they were probably actually serious about getting into the pedophilia rings. Um, so uh, there does appear to be a, a, a kind of a, a quiet war going on. Um, and of course, what's so important about that is uh, not only the fact that you have these high-level people in power uh, who are who are part of these uh, these groups. Um, how closely that relates to the, the whole PizzaGate idea is, is still being discussed. But the fact that uh, this is a mechanism for control of politicians mm-hmm. uh, who are being blackmailed by um, the CIA, by Mossad and MI6 who work in conjunction with the CIA. So, And they're not even the only ones. Like um, We've got a best of the web up on SOT right now um, from a news bud, uh, Stabelle Edmonds, where she just kind of repeats some of the things that she's been saying for like the last 10 years plus um, about exactly these sort of things. And right now she's going after... I believe she, is she a Chicago congresswoman? Yes, uh, Jan Schakowsky, who is the wife of Bob Creamer, 
who is the guy that was exposed by Project Veritas. You know, he went to the White House, made 340 trips to the White House, and he was caught on tape, you know, talking about basically doing election fraud. And she, according to Sabelle Edmonds, um, uh, Sabelle had um, one of her, her jobs at the FBI was to go through like 5,000 documents. She didn't go through all of them that were basically an investigation into Jan Schakowsky because she was being hooked and handled by Turkish intelligence. And they had dangled a, a female um, agent with her and got, got involved in a sexual relationship with Jan Schakowsky in order to, to control her. And not only that, she is a total, she's like the, one of the biggest um, Israeli, um, let's say, stooges in, in the U.S., but at the same time, she, she has the, the, the role of being like the, the moderate, almost pro-Palestinian one, because then she'd get information from the, the pro-Palestinian groups and then hand all that information over to Israel. And then there was, of course, Dennis Hastert, Sibel Edmonds exposed Dennis Hastert 10 years ago before anything, you know, any of this stuff about him being a pedophile. And, and uh, same thing, um, it, at least, you know, at least Turkish intelligence that she's aware of, because those are the only files that she saw, Turkish intelligence had all sorts of, like, videotapes of Dennis Hastert. And that, and if you just think about it, they're not the only ones, like Ilan said, the Mossad, that, that's apparently their standard operating procedure their modus operandi and who knows how many other countries do this but the the people that are in this deep state are not only just um you know horrible americans they're actually all working for whoever will pay them the most money mm -hmm. I they're wonder, all traitors i wonder if this quote-unquote turkish intelligence outfit sibel Edmonds has been you know tracking and reporting about is actually the same outfit that because there's basically two turkeys there's two turkish governments yeah there's the one that erdogan has fiefed him over and then there's the other one that shoots down russian planes and stuff like that that runs isis out of uh turkey and that does things like this i wonder if that isn't really the same operation in, in it, essentially but just under the turkish flag so that's yeah she she it's outsourced. From what she says, CIA it's basically work. like the yeah CIA and um, Turkish intelligence as part of this, and along with NATO, like Operation Gladio B, she calls it. Well, that's what she says. That's actually what they called it at the at the FBI. They had the a file called Gladio B, and that was about this um, kind of um, focus on Caucasus and Central Asia through Turkey. And so, yeah, this would be the the kind of the. Yeah, essentially the CIA, but this would be like the Turkish wing of the CIA. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's one of the things specifically that Flynn was um, hammering on about, not just in his book, but in interviews, in his reports as head of DIA, that, you know, the Obama administration is completely ignoring the fact that, quote-unquote, Turkish intelligence is running ISIS out of Turkey. Now, Flynn's a smart guy. He would have known that it's basically really CIA. So there you can see mm -hmm. how the lines are drawn and why they would hate his guts and want mm. to get rid of him. Not just once, but twice. Well, you said, Harrison, though, that these people that you're talking about are in this deep state are basically they're they're traitors uh, to America, and that's yeah. I think that's absolutely true. The, these are the people um, in the intel circles who you know see themselves as as running America and running as much of the world as possible, and they're fundamentally uh, anti-democratic forces. 
Uh, now, mm-hmm. what do you mean by what do you mean by democratic? I mean, of course, even like say under a Trump administration that would try to rein those people in and sideline them, you're not going to have you know democracy in the sense of there's there's going to be corruption still under under a, a Trump administration or any, any any similar administration. But at the very least, kind uh, of a genuine democracy in today in America, for example, would be one that would that at least does not. Um, for example, run drugs into, you know, billions of dollars of drugs from around the world into America, into poor neighborhoods to get as many people in poor neighborhoods in America addicted to crack and and, and destroy their lives. Or, you know, uh, people who would fund uh, activist groups to kind of rabble rouse and, and set communities in America against each other to create some kind of a slow-burning or eventually full-burning civil war in America. These are people are traitors, like you said, and they're fundamentally anti-democratic in the sense that they do not care at all about the American people. In fact, they have them in their in their sights. The more they can make people suffer at home or abroad, anywhere, that's what they'll do for their own for their own gain. Now, a democratic at this point in history in America, the best you can hope for in terms of a uh, a truly democratic party would be one that simply does not persecute its own population deliberately. That's what was happening and has been happening under this deep state that has been going on for so long and has been accruing more and more power over the years. And that is exactly what Trump is trying to... uh, That's the swamp that he's trying to drain. People get it all wrong. They think he's going to, like, get the corruption out of politics and stuff. No, there's going to be corruption in politics forever. Wake the hell up. It's much, much worse than you think it is. The people who yes. have been running America for so long have you in their sights. The ordinary American people, they want to destroy you. They want to enslave you in a very real way. They want to make life in America a hellhole. And if they can be stopped, then at least some modicum, modicum of decent uh, you know, life can still be maintained by most of the American people. But under these people who, who see themselves effectively as gods and the directors of human destiny, basically, um, you know, it's going to be a hellhole everywhere. So if Trump or anybody that he gathers around him can at least mitigate that eventuality, then he'll have done a good job. And, of course, for the average left, he's still going to be horrible. Oh, discrimination and corruption and, you know, environmental damage. Yeah, well, live with it. That's life, you know. Get over yourself. You don't even understand how bad it is behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Small how bad it, it can and will be. Right. Small footnote on the Pizza Gate. Wait, hold on. Wait. Alan <laughs> uh, brought up. Go ahead. Alan brought up um, Flynn's tweeting last year about Pizza Gate. Uh, it was interesting. I mean, there was a lot of stuff flying around. I mean, it was mostly coming from you know, 4chan. Conspiracy sites, conspiracy blogs. Um, we did a little reporting. Well, Harrison here did a little reporting for SOT. But there wasn't a lot of substance to go on. Anyway, there was one claim, and it was published by a fairly serious outlet, I think, a New York website, I'm not sure. Um, claimed to be citing NYPD sources. Basically saying something like, yeah, there's some reality to this and blah, blah. We've uncovered some of the network here in New York City. Something along those lines. Anyway, Flynn tweeted the link to this story along with his comment. 
this is at the height of the campaign, maybe September, FBI WikiLeaks leaked emails were in full flow and it was the height of the the hysteria in the US against Trump and Flynn got involved directly by tweeting a link to the story. Anyway, uh, footnote now, um, after Flynn gets sacked last week, a former Clinton aide, a guy called Philippe Reins, or Reins, doesn't even sound American, um, tweets, Dear Mike Flynn and Mike Flynn Jr., what goes around comets around. And given your PISA obsession, dot, 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 and then he has a link to uh, the Domino's careers page on the Domino PISA website. Uh, kisses Philippe. And then guess who piped up because she couldn't help herself. None other than Killary herself tweets, Philippe's got his own way of saying things. But he has a point about the real consequences of fake news. My God. Yes. Yeah. The the important thing to to note here, I think, is the idea that um, th this mechanism for I mean, you know, all all tweets aside from uh, from Killary and 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 this Philippe fellow, um, you know, the, the whole story with Jeffrey Epstein and the Lolita Express and. And uh, the island that he had where he was procuring uh, young women for uh, his guests, uh, Clinton, possibly Alan Dershowitz, um, and, and probably a whole slew of other uh, head honchos, people uh, in high levels of politics. Uh, you know, we also have this um, Best of Web uh, right now, which is an article um, called Interview with DHS Insider, Department of Homeland Security. It's spy versus spy. So uh, you do have this contingent of people on the inside, in the FBI, uh, probably in, in other agencies who don't like what they're seeing and who know uh, that um, it, to some degree the pedo rings, to some degree all of this uh, procured sex uh, by, by people like Epstein are, are set up uh, precisely with the intention of uh, recording uh, these these events and and making um, making this information that is weaponized that they can hold over the heads of uh, of these people in order to get them to do what they want. Um, so if it's not if it's not by sheer bribery, um, then it's by blackmail. Um, yeah, I just wanted to say about um, about Trump. You know, people are complaining about uh, the Trump administration. Um, you know, there's different lefty kind of alternative media pundits and stuff talking about uh, stuff like Trump's administration has not just been bought by Wall Street. It's been bought by the oil, gas, and coal industries. And if, if Trump's appointees are confirmed, his administration will be, be among the most business-heavy, corporate-friendly governments in American history. Well, you know, that's in, in the context of what he wants to do, um, that's a sensible sensible uh, approach to take. You basically double down on your on your support and your cooperation with uh, corporate America because it would be the most, um, it's the wisest thing to do. I mean, in, in line with the idea of it being more America, 
I mean, basically what you're seeing here, if you look at Trump's administration and accepting that that's true, if you know, Trump's uh, appointees uh, means that his administration is among the mo a most business-heavy, corporate-friendly governments in American history, that fact points to his to 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 his uh, his pledge of bringing making America great again, quote unquote, or bringing jobs back and all that kind of stuff. It points to the the sincerity of his pledge to do that. I mean, that's what he's trying to do. I mean, if you you have to double down your uh, cooperation, government cooperation, government uh, you know uh, interaction and uh, help for corporations because they're the ones who create jobs. And they're the ones who engage with uh, in, in foreign trade. You work out what's best for them and you get with those corporate heads who are having trouble, for example, buying product in China or something or, or you know, how can we maximize our profits in this way? I mean, you basically have to, uh, that's what you have to do if you want to create jobs. Now, the previous administrations apparently didn't care about creating jobs in America because, and, and if you consider the oil industry, for example, the oil industry in America is having, is, is in kind of, in, to a certain extent, is in dire straits. This is one thing we've talked about previously about this DAPL, uh, Dakota Access Pipeline, and why, you know, you need, well, there's pipelines all over America, but they're exploring for more domestic oil supplies. Why? Because of the, started by the Bush administration and continued by the Obama administration, the, their foreign policy in the Middle East in particular just basically made it so that nobody could get anything. Nobody, no oil could be, uh, could be extracted or um, <clears throat> prospected for at all because the CIA armed a bunch of you know, 50,000, 100,000 jihadis and had them and intends to have them swarm across most of the Middle East, destroying everything as they go, blowing up oil wells and shipping oil from oil producing countries in the Middle East by, t by, by tanker to seaports for uh, the, the oil black market. Now, that doesn't help corporate America and big American co uh, oil corporations who want, who have all of this technology to go and actually leverage and access Middle Eastern oil. Now, of course, there are other competing players who, who want to kind of make sure that America doesn't steal everything, doesn't get everything its own way. But it seems to me that Trump and these people are willing, at least to some extent, within the rules of quote-unquote fair play, to... Uh, compete for access to new oil resources, new gas resources, and retool their economy for gas, whatever, and for selling gas to other countries and oil to other countries. They're willing to do to compete on a relatively level playing field. Of course, it's never level. It's not like I mean everybody's out for themselves. But this idea of America must dominate it all, and everybody must be uh, must uh, kind of abase themselves in front of America. And anybody who has the has the temerity to stand up to America and say no, you can't go into that country. We're going to stop you, like Russia. Then they must be destroyed. That's I mean that's madness. That's not competition. That's not good normal corporate competition. That's madness. If you're not good enough, and America certainly is good enough to compete on the global stage uh, from a corporate point of view, including oil and any other resources, but these people who are running the USA had decided that we want it all and nobody else is allowed to get any except the crumbs that we deem uh, they deserve. Uh, that's a, it's a completely insane policy that will never work and ends up shooting yourself in the foot. But these people obviously don't care about shooting themselves or, or in the foot or because it's not them being shot in the foot, it's the American people being shot in the foot, it's the American corporations who are having troubles as a result, and therefore the American people who are losing jobs. So all of that policy uh, was, was doing far more harm. All, all of the policies followed under Bush and Obama were doing far more damage to America than they were da inflicting on, on anyone, anyone else. 
or let's say they weren't having the benefit beneficial um, results that they were supposed to have for the American people. The American people were starting to suffer as well as the, as these as this deep state was going around the world slaughtering thousands of people and bombing countries. They were also causing serious problems for America. Trump comes along and says that's freaking madness. Nobody's getting anything. You are you are you guys just in this for the the shits and giggles and slaughter? Is that what? Is that what you're getting off on? Just slaughtering people and having fun and wielding your power and you don't care who it damages, including your own people? That's what they were doing. That's what he meant, by the way, when he said Iraq was a huge mistake. Huge mistake. And by the way, when we left, we should have taken the oil. Yeah. <laughs> people, people misinterpreted that like, of course. who the hell do you think he is? Well, what he means is, if you are an imperial power and you've gone and done those things, for God's sake, make sure you get some benefits exactly. in What's doing the point so. being an imperial power if you just go in and wreck the place and then walk away with nothing? All you've done is spend $5 billion or $5 trillion on a 10-year war and you got nothing for it. I mean, nothing for the American people, let's say. And if you have some respect, if you, I mean, if you imagine the idea of a leader, I mean, I know it's become a very, we're in a very dystopian age at this point, but if you imagine what uh, a leader of a great country would be, he would, he or she or they would at least have some kind of, um, you know, affinity for or a kind of a, you know, an, an interest in the welfare of their people because they're in a position of of being the ruler of all these people. You can have, you can have I know you can have different types of leaders who who um you know who, who don't like their people. You know who, who want, but I think they're quite few in history because most leaders of a country have ident identify with the people over whom they rule because these are my subjects. You know, in their own way, they certainly wouldn't say slaughter all my people. In certain situations, if they're, trying, if they're trying to overthrow you or whatever, you may do that. But in, in good times or in times when these people actually are looking to you expectantly and, and actually, you know, invest you with that power to, to, to look after them, there's a certain kind of paternal or if it was a woman, maternal instinct towards these people. And to not have that at all is an abomination. And I think at the very least, Trump has that. He feels like he has to do well at least, you know, reasonably well by the people in America. He, he identifies with them. He's an American. He probably identifies with a section of American people, probably white people, more so than black people. I don't know about his real stance on that, but still that's 70% of the American people that he feels to some extent like he's responsible for. So when he comes into power and he sees that the people previous to him were actually hurting these people deliberately and almost willfully or wantonly hurting these people... He says that's not only is that bad from a kind of uh, moral point of view or responsibility point of view, but it's really bad business. Not you're not only hurting the people, but you're hurting corporations and you're hurting the economy, and and you're going to ruin this country. And if I have any sense of identification with America, as in my country, I love this country. This is the greatest country in the earth. Surely you want it to prosper in a real, genuine w way, unless you're completely messed up in the head. Well, Trump is uh, – nothing's changed really. I mean, Trump Trump is at war with the media. He's gone out and tweeted this week that at CNN, ABC, New York Times, etc., 
are the enemies of the people. Yeah, and they are because they've always been a vehicle for the for this deep state. Exactly. This is what I was going to say, is that what he's saying to people is these guys over here who own the media are sabotaging everything I'm trying to do to help you. Yeah. They're not with us. They're against us. I mean, the lines are really clearly drawn. This tweet, by the way, got like 150,000 retweets. It's one of the highest ever or something. Um, and like he said himself, the only way to communicate is to talk directly to people. So he's he was at a he was in Florida, I think, at a rally at some airfield. I don't know if this is part of a a tour he's doing or something, or if it was a one off. But anyway, he's he's up there and he's saying, "I'm talking straight to you because I can't I can't reach you via the media, which distorts and twists everything I say." Yeah, he got a situation. He's a month in. Nearly everything he's done has been sabotaged in some way or another or portrayed as dictatorial or un-American or blah, blah, blah. Um, he's, so he's a month in and people see, right, the situation is clear. He can't drain the swamp in this situation. He can't do anything, much less drain, drain the swamp in this situation. He's very likely got traitors in the administration Absolutely. Very probably Rents Prabus, White House Chief of Staff, possibly also um, Mike Pence. Don't trust Mike Pence. I think he's uh, part of the reasons he was key to getting Flynn sacked. Um, what does he do in this situation? What can he do? What's, what comes next? I mean, the lines are very clearly drawn. It's, and uh, By the way, Alan characterized this as a quiet war going on in the background when he said something earlier. No, it's full frontal and it's you know in your face. It's, it's screaming in the headlines every single day. This is like as far as it can go with words, pretty much. Um, when he went to Florida, by the way, he's got a house down there, and some mystery jets or something flew into no-fly zone above the area. They weren't supposed to be there. They had to be chased away. Uh, those little hints of you know. Yeah, more I, than words being thrown at him now. I don't. I don't think it's gone as far as it can go. I mean, certainly, maybe in the, not even in the in the, on the on the. Well, the press is calling for propaganda. Front, press is you know? calling for general strike. Yeah, exactly. Everybody out. Everybody up in the streets. Yeah. Don't destroy everything. Right. They're they're gonna take it. They're gonna just throw the steering wheel out the window. You know, they're having a game of chicken here, and they're they they, they reckon they can win. And um, I was just looking at a video of him earlier on today, from today or yesterday or something like that, and it just struck me that he's extremely vulnerable, you know. Uh, he's in an extremely vulnerable position, you know, right now. And um, I think as this goes on, the chances of assassination uh, will increase. If they can't, uh, as, and this is the way this deep, these deep, deep state uh, people work, uh, if they can't, destroy you via propaganda and the media if they if they decide eventually that they it's not working and they go to plan B plan B is to you know destroy you physically basically and and I think that's a distinct possibility that you know depending on the way things goes but the way things go but um it, it all depends obviously not, it's not a one-sided thing and um and if you remember what this started from they attacked him because he was, he's crass and rude and a bit sexist. You know, not probably not so much more than 
many men out there. It didn't matter what he did behind the scenes. It didn't matter what happened behind the scenes or the level of corruption or the fact that he was only a puppet. It doesn't matter. To them, appearance is everything. So these people can only have this ideal of what America would be like. You know, they want to... They wanted Trump, or some of them maybe gave Trump a second chance and thought he was going to drain the swamp, i.e. remove all corruption from politics. People in the USA, uh, the leftists who support Clinton and hate Trump and stuff, can only maintain that position mm-hmm. if they have absolutely no understanding of just how bad things are, yes. you know, of, of, how, of, of what you have to do, what it looks like when you come from rock bottom and try to improve things a little bit. And... The fact that when someone, if you've been living in a dream where you don't realize you're at rock bottom and things are really bad, when someone comes in and tries to change that, by definition, they have to expose it in some way. They have to, sh- to bring to light the fact that things are really bad. And in the way that that happens, it upsets a lot of people. It wakes them up from their dream of a, of a progressive leftist kind of utopia that they've been living in where everything is wonderful and humanitarian and America is the greatest country on earth and all that kind of stuff. And it's that that people are uh, having, being shocked and horrified about and they're blaming it all on Trump, of course, with the help of the media and the deep state and stuff who wants keep things to keep going the way they were where the American people are completely asleep. They don't know any of the problems that beset America right now or the world right now. <clears throat> and the deep state can therefore keep them asleep and keep them dreaming the American dream while the deep state goes along and, and continues to destroy the country, which uh, or destroy, destroy the country and destroy the rest of the world, um, and, and keep uh, the American people oblivious to it all, you know? And anybody come, comes along and, and bursts that bubble a little bit and starts talking turkey, well then they're to blame for it all, right? It's just a horrible situation. Well, the, the, this is the thing. I mean, and this is what, you know, I, I think I would like to shout from the rooftops. It's, yes, I get it. Trump is crass. He, he's got funny hair. Uh, he he gold plates at the front of his buildings. He's, uh, you know, he's crude. Uh, and, uh, and he's a billionaire. Uh, there are all kinds of superficial reasons we have to dislike this guy. Uh, he's always touting his accomplishments. He's always... Uh, you know, puffing himself up. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, th- this guy is uh, trying as hard as possible at the risk of his life, and he knows it, to correct some seriously horrible things about. The- and, uh, you know, th- this is this is high stakes uh, political drama we're seeing here. Uh, you know, w- one week we're we're hearing um one thing and then the next week the whole the whole story flips and and becomes something else um so it's a it's a great time to pay attention uh mm-hmm. to uh this narrative that we're watching because i tell you we're, we're not getting i mean uh, when is, when was the last time we got a history lesson like this mm-hmm. uh it's got everything it's got war it's got drugs it's got sex it's got blackmail <laughs> It's got uh, geopolitical uh, shenanigans. It's got uh, World War Three. It's got earth changes. It's got uh, the economy collapsing. It's got assassination um, plots. And I don't. I don't. Yes, I, I don't. I don't mean to put a, a too light a, a, an edge on this, um, but uh, we, we we stand to learn a lot of things about our reality and 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 seeing things a little more deeply than than what the puppet masters would like us to see and know. Exactly. Um, Trump, Trump for yeah, me is a so. Trump is a myth buster. 
some of the things he blurted out on his campaign, like for example, when questioned about you know how he managed the U.S. budget in light of his trillions and trillions of dollars in deficit, and he blurts out, "Well, well, we print the money." <laughs> they, they, they derided him for being so ignorant about economics, but actually, that's a fact of the global system. No. The U.S. is able to run into this kind of gargantuan debt because it prints the money. It is the global reserve currency. Mm-hmm. Everyone uses the dollar. Even when they don't use the dollar, they're actually trading their own currency for dollars to buy products, to sell their own products, etc. Um, here's another myth-busting thing. Completely inadvertent, but there it is. Or maybe, maybe it's deliberate on his part. Benjamin Netanyahu's in Washington this week. Netanyahu's loving it. Because Trump's up there saying one state solution is the answer to Israel. I don't know how many people got how important that 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 position is. Regardless of how this actually plays out, the very fact that he's just spat it out, it is of course the obvious solution. Because the whole leftist thing of Palestine being uh this this bizarre West Bank that's you know where the Israeli border runs in and out and loops back around uh, to, to, to incorporate settlements in the West Bank, plus Gaza over on the Mediterranean coast, that's going to be the Palestinian state? Hmm. And Trump's stating the obvious. Well, no, that's absurd. Israel should be one state. And Netanyahu loves this because, of course, the, the Israel he sees as, yes, we get to colonize and annex all of that, and it'll all be ours. But in the bigger scheme of things, it means that in some future, without someone like Netanyahu in, like a completely crazy running Israel as they, they currently do, it's a logical solution. Of course, it's one state. It's a small mm-hmm. area. Everyone there should be in one state. So what, what I'm getting at is he busts the myth mm-hmm. that we're holding up that, that, that have... The, 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 the myth that has allowed all the crimes to go on in Israel and in other countries, he keeps busting them one by one. You know That's, what I mean? Yeah, yes, he does. Go ahead. There was that um, that quote, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, he has this interview with Bill O'Reilly on Fox News, and uh, Bill O'Reilly makes a statement about, uh, you know, doing business with uh, Killer Putin. And uh, another example of myth busting, and, and Trump just right away shoots back. What do you think? We, we've never killed anybody before, right? Right. Uh, and then that causes a whole you know, a whole uproar. Of course. And you know what the problem and, is there? Trump and he's done that on a few different occasions where he's just come out and said stuff, and that's his tendency. And that's what a lot of Americans, particularly the on the left and the Hillary supporters and the the American dreamers, hate about him because he he's. But he's break, he's bursting their bubbles, you know. He's just coming out and, and talking, uh, talking turkey, saying things straight. And uh, like, I mean, you can imagine a lot of people, uh, the humanitarian and interventionist, the Samantha Powers of this world, who really believe that America is a force for good in the world, and that it's about human. Everything has been about freedom and democracy and humanitarian intervention. Uh, for Trump to turn around and say, "Well, do you think we don't kill a bunch of people? Look at the state of the world." I mean, by implication, he's saying, "Look, look, we've done a lot of bad things in the world." And they're like, "What?" That's not what America is about. You shut up. I hate you. You know, 
It's like, hello. You're a fascist. These people are like being are being forcibly woken up by someone who's coming along and simply telling them the truth in little bits and pieces. But they're they're so far in this illusion. They're clueless about the world, about how the world works. Their their whole perspective on 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 on, on the world and the solutions they come up with based on that perspective are just ridiculous. You know, they just do not work and they get more and more frustrated and they scream and shout and blame everything on Trump for waking them up. You woke me up out of my American dreams. I hate you, fascist. So, um, but just on the Netanyahu thing, they were like, uh, Netanyahu comes and, you know, that's a foreign head of state and, um, which is, you know, foreign policy, State Department, but not a single State Department official was included in the White House meetings with, with Netanyahu. It was basically Netanyahu, uh, Trump, and his son. And they said, well, why aren't you inviting anybody? Like, you know, you're meant to invite people from the State Department and stuff, you know, do what always has been done. And he's like, well, you know, we just wanted to have a kind of private chat and stuff, so... Um, Speaking of the State Department, uh, there's this story that Trump supposedly sacked everyone on the seventh floor of the State Department building in Washington. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know how he did. Truth. He did? He did, yeah. I mean... Ooh, the seventh floor. Yeah, that was called... Was that's basically Hillary's, Hillary's talk, people. By the way. Huh? It, it was a very good very good talk. I got to watch it. And, yeah. Uh, you know, he, he was kind of rallying the troops, of course. He's trying to get some, uh, some respect and support. But, um, yeah, he spoke with some humility... And uh, just on the subject of Tillerson, very interesting guy uh, in the sense that he was smart enough to, you know, in the hearings, um, you know, every so often throw out this kind of, uh, yeah, yeah, we have to we have to investigate evil Russia. You know, he had to say what he had to say in order to be uh, accepted into the position. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh but heck, I mean, you know, the guy, the guy, I think is of the same mind of as Trump's. Yeah. Well, let's that, make business, not war. Right. Exactly. That's that's that could be that that's a good phrase to sum up basically what the Trump administration is about. You know, let's tend towards what's good for business. <clears throat> if war is good for business, then okay. But right now, the way it's been going with your covert wars and your funding of jihadis and stuff, that hasn't been good for business. So we're going to dial back on that because we want to actually generate more business, more income, and 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 hedge America's bets, let's say, or or, or secure America from any potential global kind of uh, jitters or or whatever. I mean, that's what they're thinking about the interest of they're thinking in America's interest and the interest of American corporations and by implication American people, etc. You know, the trickle down, whatever you want to call it. But ultimately that's as good as it gets. That's what they're thinking about. People who came before them didn't give a shit about Americans or America. They just were concerned with their own power, increasing their own power mm-hmm. and having fun and adventures, Machiavellian, jihadi supporting adventures all around the world, destabilizing governments, just wrecking the place. You know, these people who came before and that are still there and that Trump is fighting with in this deep state were just like, uh, they're they're just going around the world on a wrecking spree, and that's how they get off. Having you know, wrecking as much as possible, getting some immediate gratification from that, and from some contracts like sell off a bunch of oil and put it in your own pocket, and screw everybody else, including screw the American people. So I mean, and there's another quote here from one of these articles on the on the Tillerson and the the State Department. Uh, <laughs> He says, inside the State Department, some officials fear that this is a politically-minded purge. 
that cuts out much-needed expertise from the policy-making, rather than simply reorganising the bureaucracy. There are clear signals being sent that many key foreign policy portfolios will be controlled directly by the White House, rather than through the professional diplomats. Uh, you can read that. You can. I'll read that again. Clear signals that many key foreign policy portfolios will be controlled directly by the White House rather than professional diplomats. Now, what happened? Uh, what's happened under Obama uh, in terms of foreign policy, i.e., run by Obama's State Department uh, professional diplomats, i.e., people that Obama probably didn't even know that were run by the State Department, the State Department under Hillary for a while. And then afterwards, under Kerry being Victoria <laughs> and Victoria Newland being kind of like a, a a kind of power unto itself that ran foreign policy independently of everybody else. The Kagans. Well, you mean you have these nut job, and these are all lefty liberal kind of neoliberal types, right? Uh, who did Kiev? You know, let's have a revolution. Let's overthrow former uh, neocons. A lot of them, right? Overthrow uh, the government in Kiev. Let's uh, organize the bombing of Libya. Let's kill our own ambassador. In Libya, let's destroy let's Libyan society. Let's drone warfare against Pakistan, well, by the way, in 2009, increase, and Yemen. Yes. And let's uh, invade Syria with jihadis and support them and fund them. Now, if you look at that track record, can anybody blame any administration, in this case a Trump administration, by coming in and deciding that key foreign policy portfolios will be controlled by, directly by the White House? It's because... You come in and you, you come into a house and you see basically a bunch of demonic children with knives running around and you take all the knives off them and say, you're not going to decide what to do, you know, or you're not going to prepare dinner anymore uh, because you're extremely dangerous. You know, I mean, it's obvious, but of course, the media reports that as undemocratic and what is he doing? You know, you can see the mind job being done on people here because they did not and do not understand the way things have been run behind the facade of the smooth-talking Obama administration, the horrors that went on behind that around the world and having uh, knock-on effects for the American people. Nobody understood that because it was all facade and it made everybody feel good, this nice facade, the humanitarianism, the freedom and democracy made everybody feel good, but the world was being destroyed in the process. And because Trump comes in and has to expose that to some extent and take back control, suddenly he's an authoritarian. 